Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you went on a first date and the man didn't have his shirt tails tucked into his trousers, how would you feel about that, Howard? Oh, yes, I know. How do you even compare that with a cake? Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Bakedown Podcast. And here we are again with our newest season, with our series 14. We've had so many series of The Bake Off now, and here we are with series 14. We're starting off with the class of 2023. Very, very exciting. And we're starting off with Cake Week, uh, something we've done a lot over the last few years. Started off with Cake Week. Um, Jane, do you think this is a good test of uh, the bakers to start off with? Oh, I think so. I mean, we all love a bit of cake. We certainly started Cake Week in my year. Doesn't it always go, or it seems to have always gone, cake, biscuits, bread. So it's covered all the basics apart from pastry. And yeah, it's always really nice. I thoroughly enjoyed this episode. I must admit it was, um, I, I loved everything about this episode, which is, I'm sure, not something I'm going to say every week. But yeah, no, a great test because <laughs> where do we all start baking? We all start baking with a cake, a fairy cake, Something with your mum or your nan or your dad, giving it a good stir. Um, no, I think it's the perfect place to start a series of Bake Off. Fantastic. And Howard, what did you think of this this episode to start off this new series? I, I thought it was lovely. Yeah, I thought it was a great uh, a great episode. Um, I think Jane's right. Although I have to say, in our year, we did cake, bread and biscuits came, I think, much later. Don't know why that was. It's it's the old series, isn't it? But yeah, everybody loves cake as the first week because it just sort of sets the scene, doesn't it? It's really what you want to see in the first week of Bake Off, I think. It absolutely is. And uh, we've been promised a much more, a, re- a return to slightly more calmer bakes, slightly more traditional classic bakes, um, and not the gravity-defying, playable biscuit selfies we've seen over the last few years um so hopefully this will start as we mean to go on with something nice and calm 
So with each year of the Bake Off comes our fantastic Bake Along Mystery Challenge. And this year is no different. And we are kicking off Cake Week by making the spectacularly iconic, you've been watching it all this time, the chocolate and raspberry Bake Off cake with the missing raspberry. Now, this is going to be with the lovely Ian coming, and this is going to be on Sunday, the 1st of October. Now, you can sign up for classes as you feel like it, but please do be aware there are limited spaces for each of these classes. If you are a true Bake Off fan and want to get the full Bake Along experience, then you might want to sign up for all 10 classes. There are some spaces still available, and the recipes will be revealed very close to the time of baking so you'll be able to get your ingredients and bake along with something that you've seen in the tent so you can head over to the bake with a legend website and have a look for our 10 class bake along mystery package we hope to see you there so as always we have the lovely jane dan and howard with us today uh, talking about Cake Week. Dan, what are your expectations for Cake Week going in with this episode? Well, I think the, the good thing about cake is it's everyone feels safe with cake. Um, and I feel like there's, if you, if you know, if you were starting with a pastry week, you'd understand maybe if some people weren't brilliant here, but there's no excuse in a cake week because everyone knows how to make a cake. He said optimistically. <laughs> um so, so I think it's you know it's it's a very fair opening playing field to get a look at the bakers. I have to say, I found you know the first episode we didn't really get to see a lot of everybody um, because obviously there's twelve people in there and there's only a, a few minutes to show each person. But there were lots of uh, exciting wobbles, lots of interesting decoration. So um, yeah, I thought there was a, a lot to get your teeth into. And actually, I think I got to know the contestants a little bit more than I expected after this first episode. We, we certainly got to know them better than just looking at the photos, didn't we? So that was, <laughs> that was <laughs> yes, we were wrong about a few of them. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I disagree with you, Dan. You know, if you remember when we did the podcast for Howard's series earlier on in the year, mm. we hardly got to see anybody at all. It was like, sorry, who's this baker? I've only just seen them and it's episode four. I thought, and, and also their bakes, you know, we, we sat around saying, what was in that bake? They didn't actually tell us what was in that bake at all. And I felt with this episode, given that we've got 12 bakers to cover in just over an hour, we, we saw a lot of the bakers and we saw a lot of their bakes. So I thought it was brilliantly edited. Love Productions, you can send the money here, all right? <laughs> but I thought it was brilliantly edited. I, I just thought perhaps they'd been listening to our podcasts. Definitely. And, and taking mm. taking on board what we've said and, um, and, and improved the series immeasurably based on our comments. Mm. Yeah, I can dream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's start off uh, straight away because we do have a lot of bakes to get through. So we'll start off with the signature uh, bake. And we had our first signature was a vertical layer cake. Now, if anybody has come to our vertical layer cake with Karen a couple of months ago, you'll know what we're talking about. But any of you who doesn't, it's basically a killer Swiss roll on its end. So it reveals vertical layers of uh, sponge and filling. 
And Jane, straight away, something that jumped out at me is how many drip cakes we had. And I was just imagining you watching this going, drip cake, drip cake. <laughs> well, I think everybody's allowed one drip cake a season, I think. And um, some of them have, have used that up. Um, and poor Amos, not to very good effect. Yeah, it's just, it's easy to do a drip cake, isn't it? And I've got to do one for somebody's birthday cake and it's a caramel drip cake and it looks great. And I look at it and think... What would the listeners to the podcast think of me doing yet another caramel drip cake? It's, it's easy to do. I, I mean, it, who was it last year? Janusz last year, wasn't it? Lovely. Lovely when you see a drip cake the first time round. When you see it the next time and the next time. And there seemed to be a lot of opportunities for drip cakes last year. Let's hope there aren't quite so many opportunities for a drip cake this year. Now, it didn't offend me on the first episode, Sarah. Um, ask me a three or four episodes down the line, and um, it might be a different story. <laughs> Can I say one thing that um, upset me, and we're sort of skipping straight to judging here, but it was some very inconsistent judging. Did you hear mm. that um, Paul said, uh, this really upset me, this is my overriding impression of this episode, is Paul said, oh, that cake looks like a barrel. It reminds me of me, ha, 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 ha. It was sort of all misshapen and wonky at the top. And then... Someone else had a cake that was a little bit on the flat side. He said, oh, it looks like someone sat on it. And I just sort of thought, are we judging for, you know, are we judging the shaping or not? You know, is, is it funny when the one person does it, but because the other person's shape is less amusing? I understand that it's very hard to get a vertical uh, roll cake to stay in a, a perfect cylinder. But uh, I thought some people did better than others. And I didn't know if the judging was fair. Am I jumping ahead? Or did you think that? What did you think about that, Howard? I, I think you're right. I think the other thing as well was that um, when they sliced into the cakes, it depended on, on which way they were looking at it. So sometimes the slice from their side looked perfectly neat and from the camera's side was a bit messy and vice versa. So I think sometimes when they say, oh, you can really see the distinct layers and we couldn't, or they said, <laughs> or they said, oh, your layers are a bit messy and from our side, they were perfectly neat. So I think there was inconsistency there as well. Yeah, I would absolutely agree. The, the layer thing bothered me, not so much the barrel or the satin or whatever, but the, the, the vertical layers. I mean, Amos got slammed immediately, I think, for um, having uneven layers. And then it was like, oh, yes, these layers are lovely. And I'm thinking, really? Are they? What are you, what are you looking at? <laughs> um, so yeah, we shouldn't be starting with a, a sort of unfair judging on episode one, but I, I would agree with you, Howard. And it might just have been the way we're viewing it or the way... Let's be kind. Episode one. Yeah, um, I was I was just a little bothered, um, but there were yeah. um, there were a good variety of flavours, um, so that's that's nice. But do you know what I was actually thrilled about? And this is just on personalities for a second. Do you remember last week I said Keith looked like an accountant because um, he isn't? You know, he looks very much like a stereotypical accountant, and I was thrilled to discover he sounded like an accountant as well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he, he was just. I think that's. <laughs> Really mean. It's not. He was very, very measured and monotone. And I think that the funny thing he said, he said, I was absolutely flabbergasted in the most monotone voice you've ever heard <laughs> in your life. I was like, oh, good. Good God. You'd expect you'd expect a little bit of animation in a moment like that, but not from Keith. I love Keith. He, I think Keith is my early favourite just because he's such a, he's got a strong flavour. 
of his personality. I'm not sure about his cakes. What do they say about his cakes? Do they have a strong flavour? Uh, we'll get there in a minute. So I don't think. I think. Well, you should have picked Keith oh, yeah. for your person, then, Dan. I'm surprised you didn't. Oh, we'll get to that later. We'll get to that. <laughs> I don't know. I can't even remember who I picked. Actually, I we all like. Think you picked. You picked Chris, didn't you? I think you picked Chris. Did I? That's because you two nicked the other yes, two. Yes, Jade, you did. Yeah, I think. Well, I think I might swap. I'm changing I love my Christy. I mean, I like Christy a lot, but I might go for Dan, actually. Hmm. Um, well, let's start off on everybody's fantastic cakes. We had some gorgeous, gorgeous flavours. Uh, we had chocolate and raspberry. We had orange and lemon rhubarb and custard, Jaffa cake, lemon meringue, lemon and blueberry, chocolate orange again, um, poppy seed and lemon, tiramisu, caramel latte, and tropical passion fruit, and then all reasonably traditional flavors. I think we'd say nothing, nothing crazy that stands out. And then Tasha comes along with her black sesame um, and yuzu lime curd. So starting off really, really crazy flavors there. What did we think of that? I don't really know what black sesame tastes like. I have to say, I sprinkle sort of black sesame seeds over my rice but that's about it um so i don't do you do you taste that jane is that something you're familiar with well i have no idea i don't think i've got a pot of sesame seeds that are a mix of black and white and i use them sticking on top of my bread i couldn't tell you what black sesame tastes like uh, yeah i've had black sesame ice cream Ooh. and it's it's quite nice yeah. well, of course you did ian did it in your series isn't wasn't that ice cream gate no that's series after me oh, it's a series it all melts it all like a confused. big melty ice cream yeah. after that, <laughs> <laughs> in the brain it goes into yes. the it all goes into the bin of time. Yes. But yeah, quite a nice flavour from what I recall. Quite interesting, slightly that that kind of combination, a little bit again, like like sort of um oh, what we call Umami? it. Umami? Is it like earthy? Like tahini, yes. That yeah. kind of a slightly savoury in a sweet bake. Uh it, not that you bake in the ice cream, but yeah. Oh shut up power. <laughs> <laughs> We know what you meant. <laughs> uh, yeah, because Tasha had some, uh, she, she, I think she had tahini in a showstopper as well, didn't she? So she obviously likes those kind of uh, earthy flavours. Um, yeah. Although I thought it was funny that, um, oh no, we'll get onto that in the showstopper. You're jumping ahead, Daniel. I'm so excited. I'm all over the place this morning. Maybe too much coffee. <laughs> Go on. L- let's, let's focus on some of the ones. Now, Sarah, you said that the flavours are very classic. I absolutely agree. But I love a classic flavour, as you know. And I really warmed to Christy. She made the lovely lemon meringue-style one, and I thought that was really beautifully decorated. Mm. And I really love Christy. As we said, you know, sort of um, mummers of lots of kids tend to be one or the other. They're either very organised or completely crazy. And she seems to be the organised type, doesn't she? Um, she seems really sort of measured and um, she's got her head together. So um, I think Christy's going to do well in this competition and I was impressed with her decorating. Yeah, I, I really like Christy. Thank goodness I chose her. <laughs> um, I really like Christy. What I did object to, and this is nothing to do with Christy, but she had a slightly low-cut top on. <clears throat> and the first <laughs> shot we got of her was the camera looking down on her cleavage. And I thought, oh, come on, Bake Off, that's not really necessary. You know, they do tend to focus on people's uh, attributes, don't they? So um, Candice had her lipstick sort of brought to the fore that most of us didn't notice in the tent, to be honest. And, and they, I, I just thought it was unnecessary. This is Bake Off. We don't need to be looking down people's boobs, in my opinion. <laughs> 
<laughs> I would tend to agree. Uh, we have had it in other seasons. I remember David Atherton, who uh, won the season after me, I believe it was. Um, there was a lot of shots of his bottom for some reason. So, yeah, the Bake Off do have a bit of a history of uh, highlighting people's assets. But, yeah, it's, I didn't notice it, Jane. I, I, honest, I'm not, my eyes don't naturally go in that no, direction. I, probably... I never noticed. I never <laughs> yeah. that to <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. I must have just been... <laughs> concentrating at the wrong moment or the right moment or something. Just thought it was unnecessary. I mean, fortunately, they didn't do it anymore Yeah, because I was about to be Mrs. Angry of Angryshire and writing. But um, no, that they, they stopped there and let's hope we don't get any more of that because it's totally unnecessary. Do you know who I did love from a baking perspective? And um, I'm not sure how to feel about her overall yet. I haven't formed a full opinion. But the way that Saku used a um, concentrate of the blueberry to create the mm. strong blueberry flavor, I thought that was really smart. I thought it was really smart because, uh, you know, we often use blueberries to go alongside lemon, but they really don't have a strong flavor. And sometimes it's difficult to know if it's adding much. And uh, obviously that really mm. worked. But that showed a really good mm. baking slash cooking instinct. And I thought that was, yeah, I was impressed by that. I loved her um, her kind of deadpan humor as well. I think she's so funny. When, when uh, Paul gave her a hug and then Noel said, where can you go from a hug now? And she said, Oh. <laughs> yes, yes, it was very it's sweet. Nice. Okay. <laughs> very, very sweet. <laughs> um, but uh, the person who did the concentrated business um, mm. was Nadia, if you remember. What was she making? Uh. Cheesecakes. Oh, really? And she concentrated down the one flavour that does hang in my mind, um, cream soda. Oh, yeah. And uh. she, she boiled them down at home to get the intense flavour, which is... A, a really good idea for any flavours you want to put into a cake or, or any bake that's um, a possibly little subtle. I made a blueberry mousse cake for Bake with Legend. I've done it a couple of times now. And we cook the blueberries down and extract the juice to make a jelly on the top, which it makes a lovely dark jelly, actually. But by the time you've cooked them down and taken the juice out, the, the mush that you're left over with actually is pretty good flavour in a mousse cake. So, yeah, just concentrate mm. everything down, I think. Saku is definitely one to watch. I don't think any of us picked her, but she was definitely one to watch. I think the other one to watch for me as well is Abby. I thought Abby was was surprisingly strong. So we'd, we'd sort of, I, I suppose to a certain degree, joked a little bit about the foraging elements. Mm. But she seems to be really uh, on the ball with, um, you know, she's thought out, organised and so on. So I, I was quite impressed with, uh, with Abby. Yeah, and also, like, from the foragers that I know in real life, often they'll just sort of get anything they've managed to find and stick it in something. Be like, look, I found this for free! And you're like, yeah, but it doesn't really work with that dish, love. Mm. You know, and it's, I feel like she's actually just picking appropriate things. You know, she's not just yeah, finding yeah. random things and shoving them on. She's actually thinking about it. So she's obviously got a good knowledge of, uh, you know, the things that are edible and available to find. So I think that's actually quite interesting. And Abby is... Um, I was a bit judgmental about Abby when I first saw her, but I think she's very sweet and lovely. Um, I expected her to be a bit more kooky than she is in a way, but um, no, I think she's she's uh, she's impressed me. But I feel the edit was a little quiet on her. We didn't see as much maybe of her personality as I would have liked. No. Can I just ask? Yeah, I just want to ask you guys about Dan. Go on, ask away. Um, at one point, he said he was he he appeared to have made his creme pat. And then he said, and now I'm adding custard powder. Ah, he yeah. didn't add custard powder raw into the creme pat, did he? Because you shouldn't cook down custard powder because it's just really coloured corn flour, isn't it? So when I heard that, I was initially like, Ugh. 
But then I remembered I have a book. Um, it was a, one of the first macaron books I'd ever bought. And one of these people, rather than making creme pat, they use custard powder to make sort of something that tastes creme pat, you know, tastes custardy. Um, and they use it for that. But he must have cooked it because, it, as you say, it is floury, surely. Yeah, it'd be like just having un, uncooked corn flour or cornstarch, for those of you um, across the pond, straight into a custard, which would make it very powdery, wouldn't it? So I'm guessing he must have cooked it down. I, I think I think his recipe will appear at some point, and I think we'll check that. What horrified me as well was when he was putting, it looked like a rhubarb puree or compote or something that he was stirring into the creme pat, and it looked absolutely disgusting. It looked like it was scrambling and splitting and so on. So he must have done something to kind of bring it back together. Uh, which Because uh, it looked... It, Looked lovely in in the finished cake. It really did, and they really liked the flavour too, didn't they? Mm. It must have just taken a while to emulsify. The one thing I will say about making a creme pat and then adding custard powder is it's kind of like, why would you do that? Because, for example, I remember watching a TV show. This is a cooking show, and somebody basically made a pasta sauce and then, you know, from scratch with tomatoes and everything, and then dumped a tin of uh, pasta sauce into it. And like I was like, you've literally just made the pasta sauce. Why are you adding more pasta sauce? Mm. And it seemed like the same thing. You're making a creme pat. Why are you now adding custard powder? That's like, why? Um, it just seemed odd. It seemed an odd choice on one, you know, because of the macaron thing that I remembered. You know, it's a way to introduce flavor when you don't have it quickly and easily. But if you've already made a custard, why are you then adding more custard flavor? Do, do you know what I mean? To be honest, though, when you can smile like Dan, you can sort of forgive anything, <laughs> can't you? Just <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of Dan, um, his rhubarb pieces on the outside of his cake were absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, they were just they were. such a lovely decoration, mm. and uh, and the fact that he, he is it does it count as foraging if you get it from your own garden? <laughs> no, sure. but it goes yeah. with the okay. cooking it in your growing it in your garden, picking it in your garden, getting gorse pebbles and wild poppy seeds. Oh, it's just yeah. All right, we didn't have too much foraging this time. <laughs> but he grew it in his own garden, so we can let him have that one. We can let him have that one. I don't mind. We can. It, rem- it reminded me of Henry in his Christmas special made a cake that had stripes of rhubarb upside of it. It reminded me a little bit of that one. But when Paul Yay. said it looks like look like a circus tent i thought well that's not really the compliment he was probably going for it looks kind oh, of no, cla- I, thought you, I thought that was all right i think it it's did look a bit stripey and like a circus tent i thought it was quite a nice description just made him sound a little clownish i don't know no it didn't <laughs> can we go can we go to matty oh yes what did he do what God did knows. he do i mean I've i read don't know butter, butter cream looks like sick well it did a bit <laughs> but it did <laughs> I don't know what buttercream it was. I'm assuming he had made a, um, a Swiss or an Italian buttercream and then it just separated. But do you not just either put it in the fridge or warm a bit up and add it in and beat it until it comes together? I'm sure it would have come together if he yeah. had got the right combination. Matty clearly doesn't listen to this podcast, does he? Because we have been over this a million times. <laughs> you never need to throw your buttercream away and start again. Never. And it's such a waste of money as well. You never need to do that, I promise you. You can either, if it's if it's soupy, you put it in the fridge. If it's curdled or split, then you warm it up or you, you know, warm a little bit of it up. Um, but there's no need to be throwing buttercream away. And the fact that he left out altogether, I'm surprised he didn't get hammered more for that because uh, 
without the buttercream in, he's then only got a couple of elements, hasn't he? He's got a, the mask, but was it mascarpone cream? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I felt in the nicest possible way, it looked a little basic, probably because it was missing elements. I don't know, but it was just sort of two tone, one color on the side, one color on the top, wasn't it? It was a little bit pedestrian looking. Is that awfully harsh of me? Yes. God damn, awful. <laughs> Uh, no, I would agree with you that you're not very harsh this morning. But yeah, I think on that that one, I uh, would agree with you, I have to say. And while I'm being mean about people's cakes, um, so Keith's cake, they said um, it looked so dramatic. I love the contrast. And I thought it looked a bit messy. Am I the only one? I just, I don't no. know. Sometimes no. when they say, <laughs> and even on my own series, okay, People, I'd go up and I'd be thinking, oh, that looks amazing. And they'd be like, it looks dreadful. And other times someone takes me up and I'm like, oh, it looks completely awful. And the judge is like, it's perfect. I love the look. So sometimes I don't know what people are looking for, but I thought that one was quite messy. If I'd have made that one, I probably would have scraped all the buttercream off and started again. Um, is that awfully harsh? Oh, that is really harsh, isn't it? I should probably... <laughs> I think it was possibly the contrast of the dark brown with the bright orange uh, was just quite striking. I just, I think that's what they were going for because that's what first mm. struck me about it. Mm. It was a strong contrast, but I just thought the decoration was quite messy. And in fairness, two hours to make a cake, I wouldn't bother making one in two hours. I'd do it in stages and take my time. But um, yeah, it was just, a lot of them were a little bit sort of lopsided and uh, hastily decorated, weren't they? Well, they are quite hard to, actually, to be honest, I've never made a vertical cake. Um, but we all know that when we've, tried to teach people how especially over zoom um swiss rolls the, yeah. the timing on a swiss roll has to be perfect because otherwise it cracks and you try to wrap it round and they, they are quite difficult to do so to to make a vertical cake and get um it cooled and it's not cracking and then get an even level of buttercream it, it's very very tricky to do in a two-hour show i think especially when you're nervous it's your very first bake in the tent um, and then you've got to make it look gorgeous. Uh, you know, it, it was a tricky challenge for a first one, I thought, a vertical cake. Have you ever made a vertical cake? Have you made a vertical no, cake? No, I, I, w- I would agree, because even when you make a Swiss roll, sometimes it's a little bit flat, isn't it? You know, like gravity is taking its toll on it. So yeah, absolutely. I can see that it's difficult, but they do have the freezer, and I don't, maybe I'm being harsh, I don't know. But the thing is, the, the actual sponge takes about 10 minutes in the oven, doesn't it? So there's is, there's not really, like, they have quite a lot of cooling time and quite a lot of chilling time. I mean, listen, we know that time vanishes in the tent, so maybe I'm being unfair. But, uh, but I they was need just... a lot. They need a lot of cake to do that. Because if you think one single Swiss roll makes quite a narrow roll, you've then got mm. to make enough as a mathematician in me. It's, you know, it's sort of the amount of sponge goes up exponentially, really, depending on how wide you want this cake to be. They've got to bake a lot of cake and make sure they're all cooked to the same consistency. I don't think it's as simple as as we one might first imagine. Somebody in a series, was it last series or the series before, and I can't remember, but, but tried to make a vertical cake and he got himself into a terrible muddle and I think he went home in the end. Um, so they're, they're not as simple as one might originally think. I was a little surprised that they'd gone for a vertical cake because I was expecting something really nice and easy to, to break them in. And they're like, we're doing a vertical cake. I was like, oh, as you say, Jen, that's not actually as simple as you'd think. No. I think some people um, 
possibly tried to make quite a fat vertical cable, which you're right, Jane, would need more and more layers it, because each time it, it, it gets larger and larger, doesn't it, the uh, circumference or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, but I think um, we've not mentioned Rowan, have we? No. And Rowan went for quite a, a kind of narrowish cake. It was tall, but uh, but but didn't seem to have quite so many kind of layers around it. And uh, they said that was a perfect example of a vertical cake. So. They did, tall, they did. I think, did Paul say he wanted, he said be aware of strength of flavour. Do you think he meant that he wanted more raspberry and more chocolate flavour? Yes, yeah, yeah, I think so. Yes, because he said it was very delicate. He said he liked it, but it was very delicate. So I think going forward... He doesn't want delicate flavours or such delicate flavours. Yes, I think also you have to bear in mind, and this is, uh, I'm sure Jane Howard will be furious with me for saying this, but as you get older, your taste buds are sort of, they they lose a little bit of their strength and their sensitivity. So you need stronger flavours to kind of knock you out. And, you know, Paul is obviously, you know, Prue is obviously in her 80s and Paul maybe mid-70s. So... um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, uh, I think he's in his 50s um, so uh, <laughs> you know a strong flavour you know if you're 21 something that tastes quite strong to you will not taste so strong to someone who's you know significantly older than you so you do need to be mindful of that <laughs> and also if you're tasting 10 different cakes you need yours to stand out you don't want to be the subtle one that's sort of forgettable next to someone else's that punches you right in the mouth. I feel like Jane's about to explode. Are you going to shut up now? I, I, <laughs> no. I just think I, I spent my life cooking for younger people. Well, and my husband, but he loves everything. Um, and, and I think a good flavour is a good flavour. I do appreciate that maybe if one has abused one's taste buds with alcohol and cigarettes and, and perhaps very strong curries, you, you might have a reduced um, a, a, reduce sensitivity to flavours. I, I disagree, Dan. I think if it's going right. to taste like lemon, it's going to taste like lemon. I think it's... My kids have never gone, oh, my goodness, you've made that too strong. It's clearly for your older profile. I think, <laughs> just, I think you're just being mean. I will jump to ja- to Dan's defence here, oh, though, Jane, and Sarah, say that sometimes in classes you are accused of saying um, you're, that your jaded old palate, and that is a direct quote, uh, oh, yes, needs extra salt. So I will, <laughs> I will defend Dan. <laughs> I do, yes, you're absolutely right. I do say oh. jaded old palate because that's that's because I like a bit of salt in my stuff. Oh, Jane. You are right, but that is artistic license in a. Please did. Yes, all right. I, well, I'm surprised though. I always thought there was a bit of confidentiality. I didn't know what we said in classes was going to be bandied yes, around. All over. <laughs> You're off my Christmas card list, Sarah. That's it. Oh. No Christmas card for you. Um, <laughs> okay, you're absolutely right. Well, I do say that. <laughs> well, I think we had all round a very successful signature challenge. Uh, with the vertical cakes. I don't think anybody's was a disaster. We've spoken about better and worse traits of cakes, but I honestly think everybody did really, really well to start off with. Um, I think pulling out in front was definitely Dan. Thank you. um, Keith, possibly maybe Abby and Josh. You're welcome, Dan. So... A couple pulling ahead. I'm going to keep this joke going all good, season. Good, good, good. I'm tedious to start That's not with. going to get boiled. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say, what was some, the one thing we haven't mentioned is the new presenter. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, we've got this far and not mentioned it. I mean, I, I never like a little, too much change because uh, I did like um, Matt Lucas. But I thought Alison was lovely, absolutely lovely in the tent. Mm, yeah. She yeah. was charming, a bit self-deprecating and just, well, I think I'd like to be in the tent with her. She's just a big warm hug of a person and... Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing more of her. She was great. She seems very genuine. When we get to show stuff with some of the best comments, oh my goodness, how, how she gets yeah. away with some of those lines. Incredible. <laughs> I think she's delightful. And uh, uh, English people all know who Alison Hammond is because uh, she's been a presenter on television for years and years and years. Um, some of our American friends may know her from specific interviews. She's done a very famous one with Harrison Ford and Ryan Gosling and stuff. But basically, she's really like vivacious full of life really funny and just with a killer laugh you will hear her cackling through the tent for the entire series i'm sure but i think she's absolutely delightful and i think she's perfect for bake-off actually yeah. i don't want to mm. i don't want to sound like an awful sexist but i kind of was sad when we had two men i think we need a man and a woman as hosts and i think she's great you know you had the very dry sense of humor of sort of um sue and then uh sandy but this is just a different different bit of a different flavor but it's really upbeat and positive and i think that's what the bakers need in the tent because we're so mm. stressed we really are we're on you know with the stress is killing us and you need someone there to help you sort of you know raise your spirits and i think allison is perfect for that when as soon as it was announced i was like that's a great fit and i saw her on screen and she just looked so happy to be there so excited and just such a laugh i love her so much i cannot say it enough <laughs> I, I also like the way that Noel relates to us. Well, he seems genuinely happy to have her there, yes. which is yeah. lovely. Yeah. It's a nice lovely chemistry. balance. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So let's move on to our technical challenge. And this year it was the iconic and classic Bake Off chocolate raspberry cake. Now, don't forget, we will be running some fantastic Bake Along classes. And this year it will be the iconic Bake Off chocolate cake. What a way to start. So if you fancy joining us for this class, you will be joining me and the lovely Ian baking this iconic, marvellous masterpiece of a cake. And it's up to you whether you want to put in that missing raspberry or not. But please do come and join us on Sunday, the 1st of October, and you can make this iconic cake. And I think I've said iconic far too many times. So let's let's move on. And uh, what did you think of this challenge then for the bakers? Do you think this was quite daunting or deceptively simple or too simple before we talk about the actual bake i just want to have a talk about this raspberry because i think this is very important i think this was a real insight into their characters seeing how they felt about this raspberry and i want to ask jane and howard if you were there would you leave off the raspberry or would you put the raspberry on i this is important and no conferring what do you think i'd leave it off would you why because I, th I, I loved what someone had done, which was to put the missing raspberry actually on the cake stand as if it's fallen off or you can choose to put it on yourself. But I think the look of the cake needs that missing raspberry. Jane, what do you reckon? Well, that's a really good point, Howard. And I, I liked that too. I'd put the raspberry on. I hate the, <laughs> I hate the missing raspberry. Um, and I know it, may, it might be iconic and all that. And... Actually, because I'm getting really old, Dan, I can't remember where that missing raspberry is, and I see it every week. Um, it's so on the no, edge. I'm, I'm a bit, 
Oh, it is on the edge. It's definitely not in the middle. I would definitely have to put that raspberry on. What about you, Dan? I'm with Jane. I would have to just cover the cake completely in the raspberries, but I get it. There's the element of interactivity, but it's just interesting to see who was tied to the the past, if you like, who likes mm-hmm. the fact that they were recreating that cake and who want, who desperately wants to fix that cake. So I just feel like there's the two kinds of people. And I, I just thought it was interesting. I, I think it was Rowan who left the raspberry off. And I thought that was kind of a fun way of doing it so that you could have the option to put the raspberry on if you wanted. Mm-hmm. I, I did like that, Howard. Uh, but I just thought that was interesting. There was quite a lot of uh, confusion and discussion about what you do with this <laughs> raspberry. I thought it was interesting. Yeah. And as you say, if I was a psychologist or something, um, I would probably learn a lot from from that raspberry. But as I'm not, I just think it's only a raspberry, just goodness sake. I'm going to do it. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Another controversial comment there. And it's like about this, this idea that you can't see the join between two cakes. Now, I, I get that on a kind of formal cake, like a wedding cake or yeah. a really smart piece of patisserie. But I think... Uh, this was more like a, for me, I think it's more like a kind of slightly informal dessert cake. Um, and I think personally, it's acceptable if you can sort of see where the two cakes join together. No, it's not. No, it's not. Oh! <laughs> oh. If, if, you, if you went on a first date and the man didn't have his shirt tails tucked into his trousers, how would you feel about that, Howard? Come on. Oh, yes, oh, I know. But... How do you even compare that with a cake? <laughs> but then again, if he's wearing a polo shirt, I wouldn't want it tucked in. Well, no, you know, that's, so... that's true. <laughs> this sounds like a very different programme to make off with you. <laughs> Let's get back to cake. <laughs> I, I don't want to see a bulging waistband. I get it. I, I'm with Jane on this one. I don't want to see a load of mess in the middle. Keep the lines nice and straight. Thank you very much. I think it's more the fact, listen, I don't actually massively object to it, but I think the uh, the, the bulging middle was indicative of the fact that the ganache had not set yeah, properly. Yeah. So that's really what, what that was about. Mm. Actually, getting a ganache to set in this time is, I, I would have thought of, they're not possible without the aid of a fridge. But as they said, the fridge will then dull it. Dull so it, I, yeah. I thought it was kind of, that was a bit harsh or left a lot of opportunity for people to get that wrong, wouldn't wouldn't you say? So the trick, I think, would be, say, plenty of time to make your ganache and let it come to room temperature. Even Well, Abby did that, didn't she? And it still went a bit hard and she still had to do something with it. But the trick would be to assemble all the cake with some ganache that's been in the fridge 
pop that back in the fridge again and then re-soften mm. some that you've kept back uh. and put that over for a nice shiny ganache. So mm. that way you get away with them. Um, That's smart. You get away with it. I know, I'm clever, really, Dan. Sometimes you surprise me, Jane. You do, yeah. (laughs) Sometimes I surprise myself. The other thing is the the proportion, isn't it? So you can slightly increase the amount of chocolate to cream, which will naturally give you a a slightly thicker ganache in the first place. So it depends whether they'd been given a kind of uh, recipe that sort of specified how much cream to chocolate if they went too liquid, they're, they're bound to have problems then with it setting up. Indeed. Do they use cream on their ganache or do they do a butter-based ganache? Well, I got the impression it was cream, but then I th- thought I saw that Abby had problems with her ganache and then she added a bit of butter to it. Yeah. So Abby yeah. definitely did both at that point. But the, the cake as well, um, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, that they all used oil butter and sour cream in the cake that's is that is that quite traditional or is is that just quite a lot of moisture to go into a chocolate cake it's a fudge cake wasn't it but yeah, it was yeah. A fudge yeah. Cake. so yeah. i would i'm not a great chocolate cake fan so i don't make chocolate cake very often but um oil definitely helps to keep it a bit more moist sour cream definitely helps to make it a bit richer but butter as well. Moist and soft. Moist and soft yeah. and fudgy. Yeah, I don't know. I've just made a gluten-free cake that I've added with, with you know, those smushed up oranges um, and almonds. Didn't add any oil, but I added butter to that, which isn't traditional. You know, give something to give it a bit of flavour and richness. Oil doesn't really add much except for moisture, does it? And a bit of greasiness. So I don't know. It'd be interesting to see. They're bound to publish that recipe mm. on their website pretty soon so I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see we've all got our own chocolate fudge cake recipes haven't we i'm sure we all do uh, well, i haven't really i don't oh. i don't like it i don't like chocolate cake i'm not a great cho- I don't like chocolate biscuits i don't like chocolate cake what um no i don't i don't like it it would be Sarah, the last one on my list is a chocolate counselor, cake get rid of her <laughs> what do you mean you don't like chocolate i don't like chocolate cake at least i eat chocolate what kind of nonsense is this no and a chocolate digestive oh god oh, please put it back Sarah. in the bucket. i don't like it <laughs> okay children children play nice play nicely <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I do like other flavours, but chocolate is such a crowd pleaser. I'm just surprised that you don't make more because you make a lot of cakes for other people, don't you, Jane? I do, yes, but I very rarely get asked for a chocolate cake. Really? I'm shocked. Mm. What about you, Howard? Don't you love a chocolate fudge cake? No. Am I on my own? Oh my God! <laughs> I don't know yeah. who the people are! <laughs> <laughs> I do like it. If you do a nice vanilla sponge a good sponge maybe even a, a genoise, um, and then fill it with a good chocolate orange ganache and cover it with the chocolate that's all right because it's not the cake isn't chocolate but you've got okay. the chocolatey flavor in there but no i can't be bothered oh, with chocolate cake. and i don't like brownies either i don't really like brownies i don't no, really I like brownies to be honest it's too heavy now Sarah's looking horrified. Sarah doesn't know who we are either. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm keeping quiet and I'm just going to move on to the the judging. The results, yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, I think somebody's brain is going to explode um, unless so. we move on. Um, so we start off in 12th place uh, with Dana. Uh, now, Dana seemed to use all her chocolate in the cake. I got that impression um, because she... 
She had a very dense cake, apparently, and her ganache wasn't very light or smooth. So she was down there in 12th place. Tasha was 11th. Nikki was 10th. Rowan was 9th. Josh was 8th. Matty was 7th. Christy was 6th. Saku was 5th. Keith was 4th. Oh, I'm really looking forward to it. We don't have as many names to say. <laughs> Abby was 3rd. Amos was 2nd. And Dan, surprise, surprise, came first. I'm a winner, baby. Uh, Dan did really well. His ganache, <laughs> indeed. His ganache uh, was sharp, I think is what I've got got written down. Yes, I've got sharp. I'm assuming sort of like clean edges. Mm. Um, shiny and clean. Yes, there we go. And an excellent taste. So there we go. Looks great. Do we agree with this in general? Yeah, it's pretty hard to choose really between them. It, it's one of those... Um, <laughs> Challenges that they all looked pretty much of a muchness. I mean, great for them to do, perhaps, but actually a bit boring for us to watch, isn't it? I think. I think the only recipe error, if you like, was it says Dana something. Something went very wrong with Dana's. It was too dense, and her ganache was obviously gra- either grainy or split. I couldn't quite tell, but it, you know something had happened there. But everyone else is pretty good. It was just a matter of the liquidy ganache or the quality of the the decoration. There wasn't that much in it really at all. Uh, so, as Jane said, from a viewer's perspective, maybe not the most interesting in the world. But um, it's actually just nice. Even Dana's looked pretty good. It didn't mm, look dreadful. Yeah. So yeah. I think they can. Uh, it's one of those ones where even the person in last place doesn't have to feel too bad about, their, about what they made. But ironically, it also means that the person who comes in second place could still go home. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well. Well, <laughs> let's moving say, on. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was our fantastic and iconic uh, Bake Off chocolate raspberry cake, which you can be making with us if you come along to one of our Bake Off Bake Along classes starting on Sunday, the 1st of October with Ian. And you can decide if you want to stick that missing raspberry on or not. And so we go into our very first showstopper challenge of the year. And Alison seemed very, very excited about this one. And I think rightly so, because we had to make an animal cake. That's all. Just an animal cake. There was nothing else. You could make it out of any cake you wanted. You could do anything to it. And we definitely had a lot of creativity in this. And I I think I really appreciate the fact that the briefs were left so open. I mean, the technical is always prescribed. It's the technical. But the signature and the showstopper were a vertical roll cake, an animal cake. And then anything else was your choice. Um, And I think it really let people's creativity come through. So straight away, what did you think of this challenge? Can I just, on the subject of the brief, I agree with you. Uh, there was probably more to the brief than we heard, but I do agree it was probably a bit more open than in previous years. Mm. And I'm sure Jane and Howard will remember, sometimes when you read the brief, it felt so prescriptive that it sort of it stifles your creativity. And I feel that whatever they've done with the brief, it's done the opposite this year because we got still some fantastic cakes but it didn't feel like they were sort of so constrained. It wasn't like, oh, the the it must be decorated in this way, you know, because there were all different styles of dis- decorations. And I was particularly enchanted by Nikki's beaver. What did you think, Howard? <laughs> <laughs> have you been waiting to say that like that this whole time? <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> oh, Dan. Naked gun. Naked yeah. gun. <laughs> Which is taking it down from the attic. Nice yeah, beaver. Yeah. Thank you. I've just had him stuffed. <laughs> oh, God. oh, stop it. There goes our PG rating. <laughs> yes, indeed. 
<laughs> but there were a lot of dogs, weren't there? There were a lot of dogs, which is obviously probably expected because lots of people have dogs. We sometimes hear yours in the background, don't we, Jane? Oh, she just opened the door and came in. I had to take my headphones off and push her out again. <laughs> oh. She well, brought in her squirrel to show me. It's not a live squirrel, but it's very appropriate. It's just a moment of off. panic there. <laughs> so would you have made your dog then, Jane? No, I wouldn't. No, what would you no. have made? I actually, I, I don't really know. Um, I did particularly like the sheep, so I'd be quite quite like to do a sheep. I thought that was very nice, but I was enchanted by. Oh, no, I wouldn't do my dog actually because my dogs smell um, because they're <laughs> rolling in disgusting things, and it wouldn't be very nice to eat them. Something that was reasonably easy to build in four hours. So you may say you love your dog, but you know trying to make a dog in four hours is, is actually quite hard and a lot of carving issues. Um, but I, I was absolutely enchanted by all of them. I mm. thought they were, br- well, apart from poor Amos's, which is Orca, really, um, didn't do very well. But uh, I just loved them. I loved I loved the beaver. I must admit, we haven't talked about Yeah. We haven't talked about her really much at all, have we? But I think she's going to be hilarious. I hope she stays to the end because she's very funny and that beaver was just brilliant and saku's turtle it was this very small cake it wouldn't have fed very many people but i love i think i loved them all i loved them. Mm. yes I can't, i'm not going to take them all away from you but i i loved them all i loved saku's turtle i love oh yeah go on dive in because i could say i liked all of them to be perfectly honest Howard, what did you like? I, 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 I liked christie's duck i thought it was a really mm. simple idea you know, the the kind of shape of the cake and then the only bit of kind of danger, I suppose, is that head. Because um, obviously the the taller you make something, the, the more risk that you have. Amos, bless him, kept trying to pile those layers back on again and you think it's just going to keep slipping, isn't it? It didn't seem to have levelled it off at all, which was, was quite sad. But yeah, Christie's Duck, I love... Uh, what else did I like? I like Josh's cow. Oh, yes, and... that was so sweet. Wasn't yeah. It? And Rowan. Oh, Rowan's lobster. I liked oh, that lobster. was great. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I liked a lobster. I, oh, I, I couldn't work lovely. out why he'd covered it in a kind of pale blue yes. fondant and then painted it red over the top but that it was obviously me. some lobsters have a blue tinge to them do they ah. into the water which i would never do i'd always <laughs> free the lobster i'd always set them free um, but yes you can you do get them slightly blue and speckly ah, i think so perhaps that's why i found that quite alarming and i think we've definitely got to talk about i think we've definitely got to talk about tasha's robin oh yeah oh, I it think was so just too. so so beautiful and making a tahini cake it's just absolutely fantastic. So she's uh, mm. she's really we're really enjoying the the sesame seeds this week, aren't we? Um, I think I I once made a tahini and banana curd cake from Nadia's uh, baking book, and it's just it lends such a lovely nuttiness to the cake. So mm. I think the robin is such a superstar. Mm. I thought it was quite interesting though because. Um... Tahini is used quite a lot in Middle Eastern baking and it's very commonly as part of a sweet dish. And I think, I, I forget exactly, but I think Prue said, made some comments that it was very unusual. I'm like, it's not that unusual, you know. Um, so it, it, it is used uh, a fair amount. But yeah, it was, it was one of the more interesting flavours that was used uh, for sure. Um, and I love the little wings, which I think were made out of little chocolate swipes, yeah. weren't they? That then been, been tempered. Lovely. So they probably yeah. didn't show the tempering uh, happening, but that's another skill. And I'm always, I wouldn't say 
it's not massively impressive to temper stuff, but you need a little bit of bravery to do it. Um, so it's an extra thing that can go very easily go wrong. Yeah. So that's if someone's tempering chocolate just as an added extra, you usually know that they've got some good baking skill and knowledge and confidence behind them. So uh, that she was might encouraging. Have used, um, she might have used those other things. What are they called? The melts. Oh, no. God, no. She please, no. She might have done. You don't know. We didn't no. see them, did we? <laughs> Maybe, but I hope not because that will devastate me if she did because those things taste awful. Well, I know they do, <laughs> but then you eat them if you haven't got any other sweets in the house. So, what? Um, no, not <laughs> even then. Not <laughs> even then, Jane. <laughs> oh, just me then. Um, this was someone where I thought, you know, we had some very um, traditional flavours, didn't we? So the, the the lobster was orange sponge with lime curd, with the cherry coulis I thought was quite nice. Um, and, you know, we, peanut butter and banana, I make a very nice peanut butter and banana cake, I must admit. Um, and then we get to Keith, who had lemon and orange sponges and a lemon buttercream. And he was told that it was a, Paul said it was a very straightforward cake. Yeah. So I think that was an example of inconsistent judging again i mean a raspberry ripple cake or a you know rhubarb and custard you know we have seen them all lemon and raspberry fermati and and poor old keith i just worry that paul is going to tell him his flavors are always a bit straightforward and a bit safe when actually he's no more straightforward and safe than anybody else yeah Mm. that's my worry so we'll have to keep an eye on that along with the foraging i also thought it was a bit odd that with Rowan's cake, I mean, it, he said it was based on uh, a cosmopolitan cocktail yeah. and you've got orange, cherry and lime, which are nice flavours. They obviously go together in the cocktail. And we got, I can't exactly get all the individual flavours. And I know they liked it, but I got the impression that they thought it was just a bit much. Yet when you go to Abby's cake, which was ginger, salted caramel, rhubarb, hazelnut and black sesame, it was like, oh, everything goes so well together. And it's like, Really? Because that's a lot mm. of very, very different flavours. Now, I'm sure they were both absolutely fine. But again, slight inconsistencies, maybe, of judging, that is. One thing that Paul sometimes says is that you need a hero flavour. And I generally agree with that. You need sort of one strong flavour and then a bunch of other complementary flavours. And it just depends how it works. When he likened it to Tutti Frutti ice cream, the first thing I thought was, well, I haven't eaten that for 30 years. But um, I do remember it vaguely. But I think I get what he means. He said the cherry and the lime, it was sort of a bunch of flavors that may, maybe that was his polite way, Paul Polite, imagine that, uh, trying to say that, you know, the flavors didn't quite work together in his opinion. You know, maybe, you know, in a cocktail, you'd only have a squeeze of lime. You might have just a hint of cherry, you know, along with it. So I don't, I'm not sure exactly what he was trying to say, but it definitely wasn't complimentary, was it? Oh, I don't think so. I don't think it was meant to I be. think it was missing the vodka. I think it was. <laughs> yeah. Possibly. <laughs> Um, who haven't we talked about? I want to talk about Matty. <laughs> so Matty upset me this week because oh. not, not only did he split his buttercream, when he made his buttercream the second time round, he was trying to make his buttercream black and was very surprised that it didn't go black, which set alarm bells ringing for two reasons. Because first of all, us bakers know that when your buttercream splits, you just fix it. You don't throw it away. Mm. And also, we all know that when you colour things black, it's very slow to colour. We all know this. Mm. Um and one of the things that I will often do is, is if, if it makes sense taste-wise, is you put cocoa in stuff first to darken it and then add the black to it to help to help darken the colours up. But it's very, very common. You have to add like a metric ton of black food colouring and you're adding enough to, you know, to colour it without trying to make it too bitter. So this is a very, very common thing. So for him to be surprised that his black colour buttercream wasn't colouring black suggested that he doesn't decorate things with buttercream that much and uh, maybe he hadn't trialled this before. 
did you think the same or am I being super harsh with Matty? I think you're being a bit harsh. Um, wow, from Jane. I must be being harsh. <laughs> ooh, ooh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't like colouring things too much with black for, for large quantities. Uh, I because you do have to to put in just so much colouring. Actually, I've never put in chocolate. So that's a really good idea to put the cocoa in, Dan. Thank you for that. I'll, I'll take that. And you can get some of these intense colours. So you can get red extra because red's another one that can continually goes pink as opposed to red red. And you can get extra black as well, but you have to put so much in. Perhaps you should have chosen a different coloured dog. Mm. But I think you're being a bit harsh. I thought as a perhaps he should have called it a cockapoo or something instead of a, a spaniel, um, and then he had got away with it. But yeah, I, I I think you're just being a bit harsh to pick him up on that. I'm one. sorry. We, we all know it was a bit <laughs> grey, um, but it was it, it was fine. It was but Prue's comment of "I've never seen a dog that colour" or whatever it was, I'm like, what are you talking about, woman? Like, never seen offensive... a spaniel that colour, and she's oh. right. You don't get grey spaniels. Never oh, seen a spaniel that colour. No, oh. you don't get spaniels. Oh, colour. I take it all back. I take it all back. Sorry. But uh, you you get them black. You get them golden. You get them. Brown, golden and white. You get the my colour, which is sable, um, but definitely not grey. No, that's <laughs> poodly. Poodle, more poodle. Don't leave me low hanging fruit. <laughs> so, if we were going to do this challenge, and you know, if you, you're going to the Bake Off, you're given this challenge. Um, you're told to make an animal. I think immediately a lot of us are going to think about animals that mean a lot to us, especially if we have pets. Um, but I think the people who were most successful were the people who did quite flat things. I mean, things like the lobster, the turtle, because then you don't have too much of a structural issue with the cake. The duck as well was, you know, it was reasonably tall, but, you know, getting a dog, like, sitting up on its hind legs, you, you're sculpting a lot of cake there. Which brings us on to Amos, and the trouble he had with his cake. Now, I just want to say for the record, I think it looked much better than anybody said. Everyone's like, oh, well, it does yeah. not really work. It's like, look how nice say. it looks. Mm-hmm. It looks so good. He should be so proud of how it looked. I thought it looked beautiful. I'm sorry. I know I've spoken a lot this episode, but I really have to say they do this shot at the end of the showstopper where the person who obviously hasn't done a very good job, they sort of show their cake and play this slightly sad music to be like, oh, look how dreadful it looks. And I thought it looked lovely. Like, I, I understand that, you know, he hadn't done particularly well in terms of the, the cake and he had problems with it falling over. I thought it looked great. If I'd have made a cake that looked like that, I'd have been really happy. So I don't really know what terrible cake we were supposed to be seeing at that point. I, I think you're right. I think it needed perhaps three, five minutes more piping detailed waves. Mm. You could see that he'd got the, the kind of flow going on there, a little bit more finesse, and that would have been great yeah i thought it was lovely i don't know what what the the issue with the decoration was i thought that was fantastic jane you're rolling your eyes you look like you're about to detach your retinas i'm rolling my eyes i'm wobbling my head a bit actually for those 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 listening on radio i I I think you're it wasn't as bad as they made out i I would agree but it wasn't lovely i think we love you're not lovely well, that's true. <laughs> Certainly true in our <laughs> You could be a lot worse than that. Um, and I think we were just all really sad that Amos didn't come up with an absolutely wonderful bake because I loved Amos and 
I wanted it to go well for him. I really, yeah. really did. But it didn't look lovely. It did need more time, and it was possibly one of the weakest visually, I thought. But why didn't he use dowels? I don't know. Keith used dowels. You know, there's no shame in a dowel. They're not going to mark you down for a dowel. Um, they were obviously allowed to use them. Sometimes some, Sometimes the briefs are, you're not allowed to use anything in there, are you? I mean, obviously they could use Rice Krispie cake in order to make legs for the sheep or the head for the duck or, or whatever. But he just should have used dowels. And maybe that merely went to show his lack of experience in doing cakes really yeah that are bigger cakes than just sort of a three-tier the one he had stacked up on its edge where he just sort of cut the side of the cake off and standing it upright i was just thinking did that ever work in practice that was no. so precarious and i don't think it would have taken anything away from the cake to have just stuck a dowel through it so no, uh it, it, i it was a mistake but it seems awfully i don't want to get onto the final decision but like it just seemed very harsh considering the decoration was nice and he did well in his technical um, but then the mm. cake, the texture of the cake was bad, wasn't it? Isn't that what they said in the judging? Yeah. They did. They said it was stodgy. Tough as old boots and bone dry. Yes, exactly. Stodgy, tough, too dry and oversweet as well. So That's a weird one. It is. So it just didn't seem to go well at all, just in the cake making process. Yeah, well, it did look like it was a small amount of cake and an awful lot of icing. So That's true. If it was mm. cake to icing ratio, because goodness oh, me, those dogs had enough and the Robin had enough buttercream on them to uh, last a lifetime. But I suspect it was cake cake to icing ratio that made it feel a lot sweeter. I'm intrigued to know how he made his buttercream. He made an apple buttercream. And I'm actually just interested. I would have liked to have seen how he made that. Um, and it's a shame that we missed out on that because I would have, I have um, several cakes that would work nicely with an apple buttercream and I wish I knew how he did it. But there you go. Maybe I'll Google something. Who knows? I would have thought you could just really cook down and intensify some cooked apple, perhaps a nice sharp one like a, a brownie or something, and, and put mm. it in then into your buttercream to give it that bit of sharpness. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought. I wouldn't have thought condensing um, apple juice would do because that would just go down to a sugary sludge, wouldn't it? Calvados. Ooh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a grown-up buttercream. Yes, maybe. it is. <laughs> Well, let's move on to our final decision, which is always hard in week one, meaning we have to get rid of somebody. But just before we do, let's talk about our lovely listeners. If you are a regular listener, you'll know that we ask for questions from you guys. And uh, this year is no different. We would like some questions from you. If anybody has anything they want to ask of Dan, Jane or Howard, or maybe you have some comments about the show yourself uh, that we can discuss while we record that would be absolutely fantastic so please do get in touch with us you can email us at thebakedown at bakewithalegend.com or you can contact us on social media we are at bakewithalegend on all platforms so get thinking of your questions uh, were you outraged by something do you have a hump or a complaint about the show or something that you really liked please let us know and we'll be happy to discuss it uh, on our next episode but yes this brings us to the final decision and uh, we'll talk about star baker first now howard what did we think of the decision that dan was going to be our first star baker do you think that was well deserved i think it was yeah i think because Dan, actually, for his show stuff, I don't think he used dowels either. And I think he was he was quite brave all the way through. 
Um, so I think he he clearly has practiced these bakes. He's got a good eye for. Did he say about an engineering background? I think he did. Yes, he? I think he yeah. does. So he's he's quite organised, quite practised. Lovely smile. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm lovely smile. <laughs> Yeah, just <laughs> it did remind. I tell you, it reminded me of. It, uh, was it Richard in series five? So yes. Nancy's series, yes. yeah, who yes, got Starbaker quite a few times. Yeah, lovely Richard, Burr. and he just looks so yeah. happy and smiling. You just want to yeah. give him a cuddle. Oh yes, he really does. And Howard, you have a lovely smile when you talk about Dan. <laughs> oh. Oh, oh look he's got up. bright red oh, oh beautiful oh, sorry has somebody oh, replaced Paul Hollywood in your affection oh, dear. Yeah. I'll be Dan the Bear next time <laughs> um, but yes someone called Dan being acknowledged as the best baker definitely feels right all, things, all feels yeah. right with the world yeah um, I'll stop the jokes now I promise this will be the last one until no, then, you don't. You'll keep no, on until the end. <laughs> There's never been another Howard or Jane in the tent, has there? Over the years, not that I remember. No, but you no. couldn't. You couldn't, could you? I mean, we're one off some No, Howard. no competition. Yeah. Utterly no, even unusual names like Rowan. We've had more than one, haven't we? Yes, so, that's yeah. true. Yeah. That is true. Yeah. Mm. I think one one year we had about three marks in the tent, and it was all very confusing. But well, we did and two mm. pulls and all sorts. But let's move on to the slightly sadder news and the fact that we do have to get rid of someone as we keep saying it would be so lovely, a bit like Strictly Come Dancing, to have people, have two people go next week or maybe just one person next week or whatever. We do have to say goodbye to someone and unfortunately it was the lovely Amos. And I just wonder if it was that that orca cake that just tipped him over the edge because he came second in the technical. He did really well. Mm, and um, I know he had he, he did have issues with his chocolate drip. Um, and I think what they said, uneven layers of cream to sponge. There was, there was not enough orange. But he came second in the technical and he made a nice yeah. cake. And I'm sad because Amos was really sweet. We do have to say goodbye to Amos. He was delightfully sassy. He was, and mm. uh, I enjoyed him. And it's a it's a shame for for his personality that we're not going to see more of him. But um, yeah, it's difficult. There were maybe a couple of other possibles to go home, but I think overall it probably was fair, just because his signature wasn't that great either, and the technical the technical aspects of the showstopper were not great would did you also agree jane um i did and i don't think the technical challenge really could count pretty highly because they were all very very close so there wasn't much in it between them i was really sad to see him go because when we first get to grips with the contestants you know 12 new people and we're asked to chat about them straight away he was the one name that really stuck because he was a standout he was Big in his personality, and he was, and I, I think he would have been just delightful to have watched week in, week out. I mean, we barely get to know them in the first episode, and I'm very sad to see him go. He's probably a little bit more standout than some of the some of the younger ones who tend to. What you got against young people? <laughs> but some of them, I suppose, once we get a little older, Dan, as you would know, you just sort of think, oh, I'm 27. Be... <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, <laughs> you know, 
like Nikki, for instance, and Amos, you know, their, their personality comes through a little quicker because perhaps they're just mm. not quite so um, shy or worried about how they're going to come across, as, as clearly you didn't, Dan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and maybe we'll get to know the others and, and they won't sort of blend into the background quite so much. But Amos was a real standout, as is Keith for me. I think mm. Keith is a real standout. And Tasha. And, and so at the moment, you know, there are one or two standouts and Amos was probably top of that heap. And I'm so sad to see him go. Oh, Amos, if you're listening to our podcast, which you're probably not, I'm so <laughs> sorry. And, and yeah. you know, you look like you give good hugs. But can we have the recipe for your apple buttercream? Yes, yes please. Mm, can we have the recipe? Please. If you are listening. Now, before we go, we must rediscuss who we think is going to win. Surely. Are we having a reshuffle? Are we are we changing horses? I'm changing. I'm changing. Oh, you're changing. so fickle, aren't you? You're are you going to pick Dan now? Dan, of course he's no. going to pick Dan. No, 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 no. I'm changing. We're allowed to change after the first episode. I'm switching to Josh. Josh is my pick to win. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Jane, would you like to... Oh, that shocked me. Would you like to change horses midstream? Oh, I don't know. So what did I have? I had Christy, didn't I? Um, sorry, Christy, yeah. I mean... Do you want Tasha? Because you were your first choice was Tasha, wasn't uh, it? But, but Dan is definitely going to win. Is he? Oh. I think Dan is definitely. So we're changing to, to Dan. So the first star baker lures Jane to change. Uh, so we have. Well, it doesn't always work, though, does it? Very often, the first star baker goes home, and true, I was the first star true. baker, and I didn't win in my series. Mm. I'm going to go with Abbe to win. Oh, are you? Okay. Oh. So Dan has Josh. Jane has. Dan, this is not going to get confusing at all. And Howard Howard has Abby. Okay, so we've all changed horses. But why don't we choose our three finalists? Any thoughts? Okay, three finalists. I've already decided it's going to be Josh, it's going to be Dan, it's going to be Tasha. I did you say that the last episode we recorded? I think you were. If yeah. Not, yeah, I think you were. Yeah, so I think that's really good. Jane and Howard, what about you guys? Well, definitely Dan, obviously, because I've chosen Dan. Um... I think I'm going to go with Tasha and Christy. I'm going to stick with Christy because I like Christy. I just don't think she's quite going to win. But Dan, Tasha and Christy are my finalists. I'm going to go with Dan, Abby and Tasha. Ooh. Oh, oh fantastic. featuring very highly, isn't she? Mm. She is. But nobody's picked Keith. I love Keith, but I think his flavours are a little on the unadventurous side. So oh, I think I'm that will be what kills him. Unadventurous. I'm not going with unadventurous because he's no less adventurous than the others. I think I've really, having said it already, I think he's been unfairly treated on the unadventurous stakes. I, I just don't think he's quite... I like Keith a lot. Quite as good as the other. I like him too. But he's yeah. just, I'm not sold on his baking ability at this point. But I like him a lot. I think Keith is great. Right, I'm just going to write all these down so we know who's chosen who. Okay, so no all right. good. <laughs> we need proof of what's happened. So, as as our scribe writes down everybody's predictions for the end of the series, um, we shall we shall wrap up there uh, because I think it's it's been very heated, and I think uh, Dan needs some time on the naughty step because uh, Dan's been very vocal in this episode. So I think Dan needs a bit of time to cool off. I do, I do. But once again, Dan, Jade, and how 
Howard, thank you so much for joining us. And what a way to kick off our 2023 series, Series 14. Um, and thank you at home, everybody, for listening and supporting us. Uh, and as I've said before, please, please do sign up to our fantastic Bake Along with the Bake Off series. We are starting this series with Cake Week as we usually do, and we are baking the fantastic chocolate raspberry cake so you can bake along with the Bake Off. And we will see you on Sunday, the 1st of October. And keep listening for all our fantastic other episodes. Dan, Jane and Howard, see you next week. Bye. 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 Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 